Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast brought to you by DraftKings. Great deal going on. You put down a deposit, you get up to $1,000 in free plays. That simple, that easy. All right, joined by two of the dons of the industry, William Brad Alice, John Schuster. I'm Mike Luke. All right, Arizona wins 38-20. to 20. We're going to get right to it. Guys, I'll be honest with you. This was the first time in about four or five years that I felt that Arizona has a complete football team. Again, it's one game. Totally get that. But, guys, what we saw out here was a team that was clearly better than San Diego State and clearly better on both sides of the ball. And I think that's the thing if you were a just casual observer. You didn't know anything about uh, any of the teams. Uh, It took you about four minutes to come to the conclusion that the team with the A on its helmet was better than the team with the funky design. And uh, that's, that's an unusual, admittedly unusual, surprising place, I think, for Arizona fans to be. Uh, the transformation that has taken place uh, certainly looks uh, pretty impressive, at least in uh, the early stages. And this is one of those things, I think, where uh, Mike and Brad, you're a, a lot more involved in this than I am at this stage. But where Tucson Media was kind of ahead of the curve here, I think the fans are still going to be a little bit behind. But when they start getting wind of what they saw today and maybe what Arizona can do, Moving forward, I think there's going to be a fair amount of interest in the community because the Wildcats and the fan base and and the program is in a really interesting position right now. It's good to see things going well, but they've got some time, even when they hit probably inevitable inevitable bumps in the road along the way. William? Yeah, you know, it was a crazy game because I think in in many regards, they're one holding penalty away from that being a 17-17 game, but they're a fumble away. I think Arizona scores on that next drive, and it's, what, 31 to right. 3? Um, Arizona was the better team on both sides of the football, and frankly, they looked better coached. And I don't right. know. You know, we we still have the jury out on Jed Fish and his, and his team, but, you know, I didn't see many decisions that made me shake my head with Arizona with maybe the exception of no one pulled poor, uh, uh, you know, Josh Donovan aside and said line up uh, two feet closer. But other than that, San Diego State just looked ill-prepared for much of that football game. They did not know what to do when they went down. Um, and that's what I thought the key was for Arizona. If Arizona could get out to the lead, I didn't think San Diego State could pass. I didn't know they'd only attempt about 15 for the game uh, or whatever it ended up being. On that final drive, they looked like they were trying to milk a lead, not you know come back from one. So 
congratulations to Arizona. You know, they left a few plays out on the field, but that's football. But they were the better team today on, on both sides of the football against a program that while I think we all knew this wasn't last year's San Diego State team, it's been a 10-win program for over the last four or five years. Yeah, and see, that's the thing, guys. This is a solid football program that you beat. Again, I'm not saying that this is Alabama, but this is a team that's projected to probably win eight or nine games, and this is a team that probably last year would have beaten Arizona. But I want to start on the offensive side of the ball, guys. Jaden Delora comes in here. He was the Pac-12 freshman of the year, and you immediately see the difference, the drastic difference in what he was able to do as opposed to Gunnar Cruz and to uh, Will Plummer. He was able to move the ball. He was able to extend plays. He was able to fit the ball in. He just looked like a far more natural quarterback than what we saw last year, guys. Shoe and again, like Brad, Brad and I have kept a little bit closer uh, view of it than Shu, So that's why I like having Shu in here because he's just watching what he sees. But Shu, what did you see from Jaden Delora out there? What did you think? Everything that you said, uh, there's a lot more poise in his game. Uh, and he is one of those quarterbacks who clearly has an arm, clearly can make a lot of throws, and uh, has scrambling ability that can keep plays alive too. That's a nice combination to have and he was able to take advantage of that Arizona also did a real good job of putting him in a position and to where he could access safety valves as well Arizona's safety valve passing game was very effective it also didn't hurt that and and Brad touched on this that Arizona didn't commit a whole heck of a lot of penalties on the offensive end in this game either so last year for instance when you were already struggling from a talent standpoint with what you could do if Arizona gained seven yards on a play and then, you know, maybe got neutralized on the second down. Then after that, if they lost five yards on a penalty or something like that, they were probably, you know, the drive may have been in trouble. This one, this looks clearly different. It looks like uh, Arizona has weapons, and Delora can get those weapons the ball. And uh, and, And you feel very good about what you see. He looked confident out there, and you can understand based on this performance why he was Pac-12 freshman of the year. Yeah, you know, I mean, any criticism of Delora right now is nitpicking. Uh, He didn't throw a good deep ball on a few of those, but they were safe deep balls because he either threw them out of bounds or he underthrew it where it couldn't be picked. You know, he missed, uh, I think it was, might have been Wiley or or Williams on the wheel route on that first possession when they settled for three. But I'll tell you what I love about him, and we haven't seen this from an Arizona quarterback maybe since Anu and maybe for he understood when the uh, pocket was collapsing. He stepped up very well. He rolled out very well. Did he take a bad sack? I don't, I'm not sure he got sacked. If he did, it was just the one time. Uh, he threw the ball away when he had to, or tried to make a play and, and put it in a safe spot. You know, the one pick he just tried to do too much, but I'm not sure if watching the replay, if Cowing actually goes a little further for it, it's not at least an incomplete. I thought he played a terrific game. And again, I just told you all the negatives, but that's me nitpicking. That's, you know, because he was so good this football game, uh, made big throws when he needed to, picked up first downs, was able, again, as she said, find the safety valve. How many times do we hear the announcers? And I wasn't sure he was going to be able to get a first right, down. Right, 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 right. Two or three. You know, he found Wiley underneath when they needed to. And, you know, I don't mind, you know, we've seen quarterbacks. I don't want you to throw a nine-yard pass when you need ten. But I don't mind you hitting the safety valve for five and hoping he can run for it. And I think he had that awareness. So, you know, I think Delara was ad advertised and maybe better. 
Well, and you look at the weapons that he has around him, too. You look at last year, guys, and we talked about it. It was a combination of that you didn't really have competent quarterback play, but you also didn't really have wide receivers you're getting open. Um, being at practice, Jacob Cowing, the UTEP, UTEP transfer, caught for 1,400 yards last year. He was the best player on the team all throughout practice. You saw that today. This is a guy that nobody can really cover. Again, he's a shorter guy, but this is a guy that's going to be in the NFL next year or whenever he chooses. You look around then, you look at the other two receivers, Dorian Singer, a guy who at the end of last year was probably Arizona's best wide receiver. And then at T-Mac, guys, you know, we talked about it before, but this is a receiving unit. This is a unit with talent that we haven't seen in quite a while, combined with a quarterback that we haven't seen. And that's got to be big time kudos to Jed Fish because he's overhauled that unit in one year. Generally, it takes two years, something like that. He overhauled this unit immediately. I'm curious to see some of the other uh, college football teams out there to see how fast. And again, it's early, but it looks pretty obvious that Arizona's going to be competitive in most of its games this year, uh, which is a much different position than obviously they were last year, and obviously they were throughout most of the last coaching regime and in the tail end of the uh, coaching regime before that. Uh, so it's been a while that Arizona has been in that position, and it happened quickly. So based on the way that the transfer portal works, the ability to get that kind of talent into a program and then get them to gel effectively, uh, I think is a testament toward what's maybe going to separate a lot of programs. And so Arizona is probably sort of a benchmark in that regard last uh, right now. And they're in a position right. to be because they, they were so God awful hideous last year. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, so, so it gives them an opportunity. It, their, their transformation is glaring uh, even in one game. Right. Uh, and and obviously in one game, there are a lot of, you know, you got there. there there's a lot of you got to be careful, of course. But Arizona looked talented tonight and Fish had pretty much everything to do with that. And as a result, I think it was uh, you were on, you've been on uh, one of the local radio stations with some frequency, Mike. Uh, uh, the uh, 1490 ESPN, ESPN, yeah, Tucson. Yeah, the ESPN Tucson outlet. And on a couple of occasions, there 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 were some comments that uh, you and the other co-hosts were discussing that I thought uh, uh, stood out. And one of them had something to do with it's hard to tell how good the coaching staff was, but this year with the talent that Fish has around him, he's going to look like a much better coach just based on better talent. Right. Uh, and it looked like in this game that was certainly the case. It, it certainly feels like Fish knows what he's doing when he has good personnel around him. Uh, last year, you couldn't tell whether he did how he how he was, you know. And but uh, last year is in the past. Now you're looking at a, an Arizona program that certainly, based on this performance against a good program, doesn't really matter if it's a down year against a good program. Arizona turned in a very impressive. Uh, football game and it's one of those things that we haven't talked about uh with arizona in quite some time quickly there was something that brad talked about too brad made this comment about how if uh san diego state their one holding play away from being 17 to 7 later on if burmeister isn't out of the game for something that happens you know san diego state might score a touchdown that cuts it to uh single possession and maybe they've got momentum and can turn things around a little bit but the reality was, again, if you looked at both of those teams just as a casual observer, the team that had more talent was the team in the white uniform. 
Right. And and so the conversations that we've had over the years sounded a lot like what Brad just said in reverse. Arizona loses a game, you know, yeah. by 18 points uh, last year. And it's like, well, if they hadn't have had that uh, holding penalty, it may have been, you know, been, been able to cut it. And then if something else had happened, it might have worked in their favor. And then they could have gotten that close. And maybe there was that bad call that worked against them. But you always the if, if, if thing is conversation that you have when your talent ultimately isn't as good play to play as the other guy is. And so San Diego State was in that position. San Diego State was in if position. Yeah, if that had broken their way, maybe they make it close. If that holding call hadn't have happened, well, if the holding call doesn't happen, he gets tackled. But if the holding <laughs> right. call hadn't have happened, you know, now it's 17-7, maybe they get the advantage, it cuts in their favor, so on and so forth. Simple reality is that Arizona was the better football team today, and that's a weird position for Arizona fans to be in. And for folks who follow this program and have suffered with this program, you have to feel pretty good based on today's performance as to where this thing may be going. Brad, I want to Brad, I want to get your take real quick because I think Boog makes an interesting point that I wanted to get to. Um, you look at the offensive line and the defensive line again here, and again we're going to get back to the receivers, the quarterbacks, everything. But Arizona was able to salt this game away running the football. And how many times have we talked about an Arizona team where? All right, well, we're just going to give up nine yards per carry or whatever. And conversely, Arizona was able to stop the ball on the other side, too. Again, I'm not making it out like this is Desert Swarm or anything, but the progress on both sides of the line, I think, was telling as well. You know, and I think what's maybe more impressive about the offensive line is they played most of the game without uh, Savanea. That was Sam Longy. Uh, playing right uh, right guard, I believe it was, right. uh, today, which is, again, he's the backup on the right side. I'll tell you the two two or three things that are most impressive to me, and this could even go back to the Stoops era. When has Arizona ever gotten the big stop, and when has Arizona ever had the big drive? <laughs> For sure. And if you look at it in the first half, and I mentioned the one possession where the holding call, they end up getting the pick on the um, ensuing two player. Later, for, right, yeah. Which – it seems like a Stoops team or Rich Rod team would have dropped it. More importantly, they get the punt. They give up the touchdown. They then turn it over on the pick, and they held them to a field goal. And that, I think, was huge because, frankly, San Diego State just wasn't moving the football. Right. Their longest drive was 45 yards for a field goal. But most importantly, and, and this is what you go to, end of the third quarter, and they're nursing a pretty bit. What was it? A, a 11 point lead at that time. They ran five minutes off the clock. They completely ran out the third quarter and then two and a half minutes into the fourth quarter. And they capped it with that touchdown. And from there, you know, you hate to say it, but in my head, I'm like, I think it's over. Yeah. I think San Diego State can even, and, and frankly, I actually like that backup quarterback more than I like Burmeister, to be right. honest. Burmeister was not a good passer. Um, Arizona fans, there's no buyer's remorse. I and Arizona true. knew, you know what, Brad? Arizona knew that as well. You could tell after about the first or second drive, guys, that Arizona didn't have a lot of respect for what Braxton Burmeister could do. Now, again, San Diego State was made, able to make some plays on the ground, but there was never a sense where you could tell that Arizona was like worried that, oh gosh, you know, he, he can make some plays through the air. Again, he made a few passes, but there was never that sense that there was going to be anything consistent or sustained. There was one point when Burmeister went down and he, again, he never came back in. He was five of 10. Right. At that point, Jaden Delara had four touchdown passes. <laughs> For sure. 
Um, and again, Burmeister was supposed to be the improvement to their passing game, which was lackluster last year. But yeah, they just yeah they did not throw the ball well. Um, you know, they I I'm not sure they had any passing yards in the first quarter. They also don't have separation with their receiving core either. Uh, but that's sometimes well that's sometimes the way it goes. Uh, you know, from an Arizona fan perspective, there's reason to be tempered because of some of San Diego State's flaws. But Arizona's been through so much of this right. that you're not going to feel bad that you want to game by 18 points because the teams the team you played is dealing with quarterback issues and and seems to be a little uh, behind the curve as far as its receiving core is concerned and those sorts of things. This is so so the the point of that is that maybe as the season progresses we find out that San Diego State instead of an 11 win team uh, which they have been for what three or four of the last five years is a seven win team this year. But still, going into that venue and being as dominant as Arizona was bodes very well for the progress of the U of A football program. Let's say All this right, was a three-win San Diego State team. Mike, I'll let you get to The fact is Arizona won on the road, which they haven't done often. They won and, and made plays after trying to let the other team back in, and they salted it away late by, make, by making plays, whether it was offense or defense. I think – those are three things we don't always see from Arizona football. So this could be a three and nine San Diego State team, and I still think it's a pretty good win the way they did it. All right, let's talk. I want to talk a little bit about the defensive side of the ball and uh, Hunter Eccles and the pass rush that uh, Arizona brought. But have I told you guys about the DraftKings Sportsbook app? Code word PHNX. Once or Please twice. do. Please okay. do, Mike. I'm out All of right. touch. All Give right. Here's the, here's the deal. You put down the deposit, you can get up to $1,000 in free plays. But you got to be 21 and up. We're all 21 and up right here. We're all got to be Arizona only. We're Arizona only. And if you got a gambling problem, call 1 800 Next Step. They will get you all taken care of. Now, again, you might say, Mike, you're a fanboy. You're going to back the A, whatever. But I told everybody all week back the A. Take Arizona money line right here. They're going to beat San Diego State, and I think that this could be a this could be an easy win for Arizona. Turns out it was, but you could say to yourself, eh, Mike Luke, he's an idiot. Like he figured out one thing. I'm still going to go against him. That's fine. Still, go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, code word PHNX, put that down, and either bet with me or bet against me. As long as you're on the DraftKings Sportsbook app, that's all that matters. Okay, I want to talk to you a little bit about the defensive side and the pass rush here. Guys, it has been years since it felt like Arizona had a pass rush. And I'm not making it out like this was Rob Waldrop plugging up the middle and Teddy Bruschi coming off the edge. But Arizona was able to get fairly consistent pressure on the Oregon State, on the San Diego State passing game. And that started with Hunter Eccles, the USC transfer that came through there. He had two sacks again. He left with an injury. But Jalen Harris was involved. You were getting push up the middle. This was, again, it wasn't Alabama, but this was a little bit of a different defensive line performance than we're used to seeing. And one of those things that we've seen, and, and Brad can allude to this a little bit more in depth than I can from an overall recruiting standpoint, this seems to be one of the rare occasions, at least so far, where when you talk about Arizona getting a transfer from a major football power, right. uh, the cornerback for, or the safety from Florida State kind of played like he belonged to Florida State. Right. The uh, guy on the front line who you just mentioned kind of looked like he belonged to SD. 
Right. You know, so, so instead of having, you know, and, 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 and again, Brad can do a better job rattling off some of the names here. Uh, there are a few players who in the past with Arizona, you got kind of excited about, oh, they've got that transfer from Notre Dame. They've got that transfer from, you know, a big school, uh, right. a big name school and thinking, man, that, that that's a kid who can make an impact. It appears here, at least initially, that the players who have come in from major programs as a result of the transfer portal do have the potential to make a significant difference and improve Arizona overall. William? Yeah, you know, you look at Eccles, and and I'm not sure, did he return to the game after leaving? I, I didn't notice him again, but Arizona... I didn't also, notice him either, yeah. And that's the other thing. We have to note that Arizona changed their defense uh, midway through that game. Uh, they, they did quit rushing the passer as much because they were protecting... They realized Burmeister wasn't going to throw. He was going to run right. the quarterback draw. And there was a great play where they rushed four. It was third and five. Burmeister ran, and whoever was playing on the end, and it was a bigger guy, so it might have been Shand kicked out. It might have been... I believe it was Paris Shand off the side, correct. Yes. And he just kind of one-arm grabbed him, and then Burmeister did not have the strength to break the tackle, and he held him to a, what, a half-yard gain, and that I think that led to the field goal instead of on that drive where they really needed points. Uh, but I thought it was very savvy, first of all, that they didn't over-pursue. They didn't go hair on fire towards the quarterback. They kept in their lanes, and then when he did attempt the quarterback draw, they were there. But Eccles early on was fantastic, and I'm not sure he ever played that well at USC. Right. Um, you know, he's a guy, when they took him, I was kind of like, I mean, he's talented. But, but he had never know, done anything. And how many times have we seen guys from major schools that come in here? It's the Leon Blunt thing. And that's a reference from somebody in the 90s that people might get where you come in from Notre Dame, you come in from SC, and there's a reason that you end up at Arizona. So immediately you're you're immediately thinking to yourself, all right, dude, whatever. Like there's a reason that you're here. But I'm telling you, man, like you look at D, you look at DJ Williams right there. You look at Hunter Eccles. These were guys that the coaching staff were in on. These were guys that the coaching staff were in on early. And this isn't roster filler. These are difference makers, William. Yeah, typically when Arizona used to get a guy from a big school that was successful, and I'm thinking of the uh, really the two Texas receivers, mm-hmm. they kind of had to come to Arizona. because They got right. one of them got into a fight. and I, I, They might have both gotten kicked off the team. Right. Um, you know, uh, otherwise you get, unfortunately, you know, Rutherford's okay, but you know, he's, he wasn't cracking the, the three man cornerback rotation at, at Notre Dame. Um, but even Eccles, he didn't do much, you know, at least with, you know, DJ Williams, he just kind of always played the numbers game. Right. But Williams was great today. I mean, he's Mm -hmm. not, he's not a game breaker, but he was consistently four, five, six, nine, um, I don't think he had a run of less than three. Right. Uh, you know, Eccles, again, changed the game early on. Uh, I can't tell you what Savea did, but I know he was out there. They, <laughs> For sure. And that's what you want from – sometimes that's what you want from a D lineman, interior D lineman. You, how many big runs did they get up the middle? Not many. Right. Um, you know, they got a couple on the end when when I think it was Bird, the little running back, got around mm-hmm. the end, and the rest were kind of – Broken runs, but they never they never had a chunk play all day. Right. They had that one good pass to the was the tight end. So I think that was the key for Arizona. They never gave up a sustained drive. The longest drive was the forty five yarder that led to a field goal. Um, you know, if it wasn't for turnovers and the weird punt, that's one of 
as, as weird as this is say, one of the weirdest plays in Arizona history, and that's saying a lot. Um, you know, San Diego State didn't do anything. Their best right. drive was the one late where they fumbled, and you know, they got what 20, 25 yards off weird Arizona penalties. So you know, um, yeah, the, the defense was impressive. And you talk about the transfers and you know, the worry is a guy like Cowing or or uh, was it McLaughlin right. uh, moving up in, in town. They, they fit in. And, uh, you know, the other guys sliding over to a comparable program where they are, are a bigger fish in a smaller pond, and they look like it. I think Saul, Saul Bookman made a very good point. Again, Saul's my boss, so I'm, you know, I'm always going to tell him he made a good point and not a bad point. But you look at Arizona now, and you do look at Arizona, and you think that there's guys that I could see playing at the next level. And again, you know, growing up, I'm not saying that Arizona is USC or Alabama, but in the 90s, let's just use that for an example. You always knew that there were NFL players on the team. I'll, I'll use 98 for an example. You knew that Dennis Northcutt was going to play in the NFL. You knew that Marcus Bell was going to play in the NFL. You knew Trunk Candidate. I can keep going on and on. Now, Jacob Cowing clearly going to play in the NFL, but you look out there and you immediately, even if you don't know who those players are, you think to yourself, man, there's some guys that have some next level potential there, Shu. Uh, and and it, it looks like what they'll be able to do is allow Arizona to game in and game out be representative. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, and and um, it, this certainly makes this weekend's game for the sure. home opener pretty darn interesting uh, because you have a team with legitimate talent coming in. And this was another point uh, your radio cohort made about how Mississippi State plays an untraditional SEC style, so the physicality may not be as dramatic. But mm-hmm. they still have SEC talent, and they're still right. pretty damn good. Uh, so, you know, it is the type of game where at home Arizona could be humbled against a team that's got legit Power 5 talent. Uh, but Arizona certainly made – a very nice impression, and it feels like more often than not, they're going to be competitive with a chance to win. And while it's way too early to make ridiculous uh, uh, predictions, it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, two or three weeks from now, there's some discussion that Arizona might be sniffing the top 25. And if that's the case, based on how gruesome this program was last year, uh, then, you know, that that in and of itself is a pretty remarkable accomplishment. All right, William, real quick before we get – I got to tell you guys about, again, the uh, Four Peaks Brewery and Tap and Bottle. I was down there, the downtown location, watching the game. Everybody needs to come down there. It's fantastic. you got a great TV set up. you got great drink deals. Um, it's just a awesome environment right there. The people, Scott and Rebecca, are fantastic. Again, um, we're going to be doing this for every away football game. So if you can make it down there, make it down there. Again, it's down on uh, 6th Avenue. Uh, more to come. Obviously, we're going to be talking about this, but it was a great environment. So try to make it down there if you can. Um, Brad, when you look at this team right now, after what you saw today, what do you what do you what, have you recalibrated your uh, expectations? Do you look at now and say, you know, this is a team that should maybe be in a bowl game or what do you exactly think? You know, and I think I said this to you on Tuesday. I said I thought mm-hmm. this was a, a pivotal game. And if I didn't say it to you on Tuesday, I definitely said it in my podcast. But this is, to me, a game where if Arizona wins, we can start now considering it a bowl team. Mm-hmm. Because of two reasons. One, because you got to win. You weren't supposed to get a win at. 
Right. Two, you did it against, again, I don't think this is as good a San Diego State team as you've seen the last few years. For sure. Still, yeah. still a really good team on the road. So suddenly it's not crazy talk to say, you know what? They can beat Mississippi State. You know what? As weird as this sounds, they can beat North Dakota State. <laughs> right? We you can fit what? that one in there. You know what? <laughs> can they win in the Rose Bowl? Can they win in Seattle? Oh, I, I think so. Um, Again, we could also be recalibrating Oregon after today. Although, you know, I think that's going to be one we'll look back and go, Oregon's not that bad. But um, so, yeah, so I think you went from, I think if they had lost this game but looked good, like they did against BYU last year, I would have said, yeah, you, you're you looking at a 3 1 football team. Now I don't think five, six, seven is unreasonable. Uh, which means, uh, which it's still means- difficult, but it's not unreasonable. So, yeah, do you? I think now if they're at least not playing for a bowl game when ASU comes to town, then there's something wrong. Real quick, I got to tell you how talented Saul Bookman is. He was asked to change his profile picture, and he literally changed it within about 30 seconds. Saul, that's not something that I could have never done without calling Jacob Franklin to be able to help me with. So I got to give you guys a lot of credit for being smarter than me. That's why he's the boss. Sorry about that. All right, Shu, go ahead. Sorry about that. I I mean, we were talking about uh, how Jed Fish has turned the program around so, so well, and without a doubt, in 30 seconds, Saul Bookman tops him. That is seriously impressive work. Uh, but, you know, uh, one of the fa- however, I do feel kind of bad here uh, because the, if there are a lot of folks uh, watching uh, this podcast, uh, either now or a little bit later, Mike, I don't want you to be out of a job here. So I don't want Saul or Jacob or some of the other guys to be out of a job here. But if the Arizona Wildcat fans start piling in on how many game on the over with Arizona's futures on how many games they're going to win this year, you might make DraftKings bankrupt. So, you know, there's a little, there's, there's always a flip side to the coin. That's a little bit of a concern. True, true. Uh, Let's temper the expectations. (laughs) The, uh, the, the, well, they might balance it by all the ASU fans who hit the over on ASU by accident. That's true. They they somehow won 40 to three and did not look good doing it. By mistake, ultimately. Uh, But generally speaking, how good is the Pac-12? And, and see, that's that's the question. We're going to get to that in just a second here. But real quick, I want to tell you about the DraftKings Sportsbook app, Codeword PHNX. All right. You might be saying, Mike, what's the deal with the DraftKings Sportsbook app, Codeword PHNX? Mike, I what's hear- the deal with the DraftKings Sportsbook app, Code PHNX? It gets so much easier than you think. You put down a deposit, you can get up to $1,000 in free plays. Football is here. Basketball is here. Everybody wants to be on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. I kid you not, when I was at Tap and Bottle, a guy came up to me who I didn't even know, and he said, code word PHNX. It's taking off. It's a movement. If there's going to be shirts out there, they're going to be put, it's just going to say code word PHNX. Did he back the A? He backed the A. My parents showed up, by the way, wearing back the A t-shirts. They don't drink, but they had a lot of water and they consumed some very good food from the food truck. So again, I think mom's watching, so don't beat me up. But again, DraftKings Sportsbook app, code word PHNX. On a serious note, that's where you want to be. It's it's easy to navigate. Some An idiot like myself or an old person like Shu can easily navigate it. All right, and, let's not get too carried away. Mike, I will say this in all seriousness. So Saul, if you're listening. I had a, uh, a an acquaintance come up to me and said he switched services because of you and your show. There you go. I'm he was telling using you. a different 
online wagering app, and he moved to DraftKings. Man, and it was really really nice when DraftKings had a presence in Arizona before all those Wildcat fans took the over on the number of games they were going to win this year. So nostalgic in a few weeks. (laughs) And that's what we're doing right here again. Code word PHNX DraftKings Sportsbook app. All right. Now let's talk a little bit about maybe it's time. Again, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but maybe it's time to recalibrate expectations a little bit. We got Mississippi State coming in. Then you got North Dakota State after that. Let's talk about what we want to see there, and then we're going to get into the conference slate a little bit because I think the conference slate actually works itself out. Again, Mississippi State's a solid SEC team, but like um, when I was on ESPN Tucson, Ollie Farhang made the point, it's not the that you know beat you up, in the trenches type team, it's very much of a Mike Leach type offense where you're going to look to spread the ball around. And this is a game that I think Arizona's got a very good chance in. And I'm curious to see what the spread is on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Code word PHNX. What do you guys think? What Go do ahead, I think Brett. the spread's going to be? I no, just what do you what do you expect from the game? What do you expect the spread to be? You know, I, I definitely think – I actually think the spread might come down. I, my guess was it was probably eight before – I bet it's somewhere in the four and a half range. Um, right. I don't know if Mississippi State's even playing tonight. Depends how they look. Um, but I think the the, the line's going to move quite a bit because of how good Arizona did look today. Uh, I, I I think what you have to do is I think you have to look at the preseason now or the non-conference as a totality. I right. think right now, since you got that win, if they're not two and one somehow, some combination, you're disappointed. Right. Because if you look at it, Mississippi State is probably better than Arizona from a talent standpoint. Right. But they're, again, as you mentioned, you mentioned, they're not that typical SEC team, so they kind of play into some of Arizona's strengths. They're also coming to the West Coast playing an 11 o'clock local time game. Um, There's a reason SEC teams don't come West. Right. It's because they don't want to play the weird time. They don't want to play out of their, you know, comfort zone. And I don't know. I, I, I honestly don't know. I can't imagine Mississippi State is among the top traveling teams in the SEC. Um, so, I, like, uh, when LSU came here, what was that, 15 years ago? Brad, we don't, uh, Brad, we don't talk about the LSU home. <laughs> no, it there were 25,000 LSU fans. And, and, and they're know, some so, of the best fans in college football. Yeah. No but I, there will be a contingent of uh, I think there's going to be a lot of people here. But I don't know if it's going to dominate the stadium. So, again, you're playing at 11 o'clock at night. Um, while they're used to the heat and humidity, it's going to be that weird Arizona dry heat. But it'll probably be nice by game time. Um, but, again, I think it's the late game and traveling. three. They don't travel 3,000 miles. They don't even do that for bowl games. Right. So, I think, again, this is going to be an interesting – a lot of factors work into Arizona's favor that might not if this was LSU coming at on a 5 o'clock game. Um, right. You know, so or even Arizona playing Mississippi State in a neutral location like in Dallas. And then you got in a North Dakota State team that, again, is good, really good. But I can't imagine they're as talented as San Diego State. Right. They shouldn't uh, be. They shouldn't be. And if they are and even if they are maybe one to twenty five, they're certainly not twenty six to fifty um, because of scholarship limits. So. Yeah, I think there's a realistic possible because they got this one today that we could be looking at two and one, three and oh. No, if not, then yes, you're disappointed. But um, I think, again, this really gives you 
a lot of, of momentum and optimism heading into this season. Yeah. And Shu, I wanted to ask you this, because again, the reason that I like Shu, and again, I wouldn't be in the position I am without Shu. Um, and I'll continue to say this. Um, he's been because uh, you really like the great grandfatherly types. <laughs> no, I'll, honestly, though, Shu's been through with me through thick and it's like thin. Eight, he's it's like eighteen or nineteen generation difference now. I'll anyway, put it to you like this, without getting too mushy. <laughs> if I ever do get married, if there's ever a woman fortunate enough to marry me, I know that's probably going to turn off every single woman ever talking to me. No, I like the confidence. Right, John Schuster will one hundred percent be my best man. That's that's how close I am with Schuster right there, and he knows oh, that as nice. well. But I don't I want- believe you. It's going to be your dog, then she'll be. Sick. Oh no, it's no, it's going to be Schuster for sure. Okay. But Over the dog, wow. What I what I do want to ask, Ted Mordo will not be the uh will not be my best man. Ring bear. Shoot, let me ask you this though, because Brad and I follow this more closely, obviously, than you do at this point. But watching this team right now, watching what you saw, watching what we talked about last year, what did you what immediately stuck out to you? Uh their speed. Uh, yeah. That was that that was something I thought they were some I was surprised at how much faster they were than San Diego State. And right. that's an area that I think they've struggled with uh, throughout the course of a lot of campaigns that that was that was one of the things, you know, the quarterbacks poise having weapons uh, in key offensive positions. That's all very important. But across the board, they were pretty quick. Yeah. And got to the ball a lot faster than SDSU did. I thought that that was the thing that jumped out at me immediately. One thing I want to talk about uh, as I pivot a bit to that Mississippi State matchup, and this has been one of the areas of frustration where scheduling has kind of irritated me with some of the past coaches and in in general. Uh, there's a when when teams schedule to some degree, a lot of times obviously they schedule to win games and they're worried about their conference, and I get all of that, and they sort of forget the fans in this process. But if you go back and think of some of the more entertaining electric games at Arizona Stadium over the course of maybe the last 15 years, probably at least 50% of them have been marquee non-conference matchups. Yeah, yeah, for and, sure. And so I like when those games are when, when when you can when you have the willingness to schedule those games, I think it's a good thing. Now, obviously in the Stoops era when they had a top 10 LSU team double up on them and a top 10 Stanford team and a top 10 USC team double up on them. You know, things got out of hand and they weren't prepared for it and it just unraveled. But very often from a fan perspective, there's an opportunity in these non-conference matchups, Iowa, Oklahoma State, and a game like this, a very legitimate SEC program and a very legitimate team in Mississippi State coming into town you have an opportunity to go to that stadium and see if Arizona can make a statement in that matchup with an electric fan base, which has been missing right. for most of what the last 10 years. So it would be nice to, I like the potential of these kinds of games. And I think the potential for the fans is there as well. And it gives you the opportunity uh, to go to these matchups where, you know, You've got a fan base that's really in it. And it feels like Arizona Stadium has energy, which, you know, has been a very rare thing uh, over the course of the last few years. So I'm hopeful that that Mississippi State game provides that kind of atmosphere. I actually expect Mississippi State to draw. I expect them to draw a lot of people out here. And if they do, 
and Arizona can back that energy and you've got a competitive game, I think that can be a fun atmosphere at Arizona Stadium Saturday night. Okay, real, real quick, Brad, I want to ask you about selling too. Yeah, I want to ask you about this because a couple people and there are people that listen, the people that are commentating here, I'm not going to speak for Brad or uh, Shu, but they're smarter than me. So we need to get to a lot of these comments because it's about these people. And again, Barrett Hartman, Robbie DeWitt made a great point right here. Guys, how, oh, excuse me, that wasn't, that wasn't the point. Barrett, you made many good points, but here's the point that I really like. Can we talk about having red zone touchdowns? Those are fun. Guys, yes. How many times in the last five, six years, did it feel like Arizona would able was able to get the ball down to the 20-yard line, the 15-yard line, and it results in a missed punt or it results in a snafu somewhere along the line? That didn't happen today. Again, that didn't really happen today. When Arizona got the ball inside the 20, the majority of the time, guess what? They pushed it through. <laughs> That's not something that we're used to seeing in recent years, fellas. And two yeah. of the first three possessions, I'm sorry, Brad, two, two of the first three possessions, uh, they, you know, they, they scored touchdowns and got, got a field goal in the other one. That's, that's a good percentage. Wasn't Arizona the worst team in the country inside the 20 yes. last year? Uh, yes. and, 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 and the reason that is is that you don't have separation and talent uh, at your uh, skill positions. So Arizona clearly has improved that, and it showed in today's matchup, and hopefully that's something they can carry forward. Well, I think they scored on 100% of the red zone trips. They did settle for the one field goal. Uh, and even with that field goal, I'll tell you what, Delora just missed. I think it was just missed on, him. on the wheel route. He had him on the wheel route. He went underneath to cowing and, and didn't throw it quite well enough to him. Um, but they got the field goal. How many times under Rich Rod, especially – did they start chasing points and then they come away with nothing? Right. Because you're going for it on fourth down and you're um, – no, I mean, Arizona was efficient. They had good play calls um, and they executed. I mean, you know, the, there was the one pass to Cowling underneath. I think it was for the, the third touchdown. Uh, and he just made the move on the guy. The guy thought he had outside help, didn't have outside help, and he almost walked in. You know, in, in years past, for some reason, the receiver would have cut to the inside and run right into a linebacker. So that's just – they just didn't do that. They executed. The play calling was nice in those areas. And, you know, I want to add to this. You know, you guys talk about the speed. How about the size? Yeah. They didn't look small. It didn't look like guys like us in the trenches. I'll even tell you this. As big as T-Mac is, every once in a while I had trouble finding him because all the other receivers, are, you know, Cowling's not real tall, but the other guys are. Right. Um, you know, on the defensive line, you didn't see, like, you know, basically a glorified linebacker playing D-end. Uh, even the safeties and corners are tall. So I thought across the board, they just look bigger and more athletic to go along with, yeah, pure speed. I, I got to give, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to give Arizona fans some credit right here. I'm also going to give, you know, because I got, I've been beaten up a lot over the years for always sticking up for uh, my buddy, Dave Hickey. Dave, Dave Hickey, I'm going to tell you something right here. And uh, he told me this at the time when Jed Fish was hired, because I'll be honest with you, I'm, I'm fairly, I'm, Again, I don't want to. I don't want to sound like somebody just throwing out names right there. But I'm fairly good friends with Dave. And when Fish was hired, I asked him. I was like, "Dude, like, I don't get it." And he said, "Listen." He said, "The thing at this job is that you need somebody in here that wants to that wants to be here first and foremost because this is not an easy place to win. Second, you've got to be able to get a coaching staff in here that embraces that and grind, that embraces that day in day out." Because it's not an easy place to recruit to. 
He's got a staff right here that embraces recruiting. And again, in one year, you notice a massive turnaround just in the overall talent right there, which I think is incredibly impressive. And again, we're going to still find out it's too early to spike the football on Jet Fish or with with or on with whatever <laughs> with whatever would pro- fish would probably prefer the former version as opposed to literally the latter but guys what you saw though is a guy though that jed fish his first thing that he said in his presser was nobody will outwork us on the recruiting trail we might not get every kid that we want but nobody will outwork us we will make them tell say tell us no until the very end and a great example of that is a a T-Mac, for example, five-star wide receiver. This is a guy that was committed to Oregon. Arizona continued to recruit him. Arizona said, you know what? Until you sign that paper, we are going to recruit you. And lo and behold, Arizona gets him, has a touchdown today, looks good out there. Um, there's some. There's just something to be said, I think, for Arizona fans for hard work. Dick Tomey, I think, was kind of the epitome of that. Again, I don't want to make Dick Tomey out like he was Lute Olson because he was not. But Jed Fish to me is the first guy since maybe Mike Stoops that has embraced being here. And that to me is a big thing. One of the things I think if you look at this from an overall almost movie script angle is if Arizona actually becomes a legitimately successful regular top 20 football program, if they become Utah, something down those lines. The story behind Jed Fish, I think, becomes very interesting. Journeyman who bounced around from a multitude of positions and either decided to move or couldn't stick anywhere. Right. Has uh, somehow convinces an administration in utter turmoil to hire him and then ultimately still has a vision to put this together at one of the more difficult power five football locations to win in the country. Right. And that's not, I mean, that is statistically accurate. That's not, that's not hyperbole. Arizona is a brutal football job. Tommy, Makovic, Stoops, Rodriguez, someone, none of them went left Arizona with a better job. None of them had upward mobility as football coaches. Right. This is a job where people come to die. And <laughs> it's if, true. If it it sucks, I get it. It sucks. I get it. You won 10 games once under Rodriguez. I, uh, I, I get it. Stoops had some spikes here and there, and Tommy had a couple good years in there. But if you listen to guys on the radio, you're talking about, you know, Desert Swarm. Desert Swarm was bleeping 30 years ago. 30 years ago. And it's an era that will never be repeated. And then you're talking about, you know, the 99 team, which was great. That was that was a millennium ago. Right. What are we talking about? That 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 is all you need to know about how difficult it has been to consistently be successful at Arizona. Now. We're talking about one game where they beat a San Diego State team on the road that might be a six-win football team. We'll find out as this thing progresses. But right now, it's we're so in the early stages of this process where it, at the very least, feels like there's the possibility that Arizona could have a better year than expected this year and improve continuously in year three and year four and maybe be on the fringe of ultimately building something. 
And if that happens, if you look at the way, the unusual way that that occurred, and again, that's a long way off. Right. And it's a pretty amazing story with fish and this administration at the forefront. Rod, you go real quick. This is embarrassing. I've never had to do this before, but I've been drinking a lot of water with my parents, so i got to use the restroom <laughs> real quick. Go ahead, Brad, real quick. You know, the crazy thing to me is when, when Fish was hired, I said, okay, I don't like the hire, but here's what you have to do. And I spelled out a lot of things. The, I, th- I said, you know, you got to embrace the alums, the, the community, but here's what you really have to do. One, you have to have a recruiting niche. They seem to have two. One is they're back in the Polynesian community and they're getting, you know, just look at Arizona, which proud that they got there fairly quickly. Yes. And, you know, one thing, it was crazy when uh, Anu Solomon got the starting job. I looked at the data and I can't find it as much. Arizona had the most Polynesian starting quarterbacks of all time. Hmm. Uh, Colorado and Hawaii were close. Now, since then, I don't know how many Hawaii. That number is probably navigated a little bit, but at the time, that makes the point. It makes the point that you're trying to get to that Arizona was tight in that community, and then it drifted away. And not just offensive linemen and defensive line. Well, guess what? Their starting quarterback is also Polynesian. Their backup quarterback is also Polynesian. Their wide receiver, Polynesian. Secondly, and after the first year, they didn't do a good job with it, but they really did, a, as we mentioned, a good job with the transfer market. Right. Well, guess what? Tucson, Arizona is a great place to go to college. It may be hard to win football games and have upward mobility as a coach. And I know someone mentioned Larry Smith, but that was 35. <laughs> that's what I was saying. I didn't know what to say to that because yeah. that's even. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that, is, makes, that makes my point. But the Larry Smith is, makes my point. If you're Jacob Cowing, and, and maybe he's the bad example because he's basically married with kids. He's not married, but he's – but, you know, if you're a 21-year-old guy and you've been playing in Bloomington, Indiana for three years or maybe coming to Tucson is not a bad place to finish out your career, and he's done that. The other thing is I thought you had to have a gimmick on one side of the ball or the other. I did not think an NFL offense was the gimmick, but the more I think about it, how many teams are running pro-style offense right, right now in college football? Jaden DeLara may not be a prototypical NFL quarterback, but he's probably going to get a look somewhere because he's going to walk right in, and you don't have to teach him how to go under center. You don't have to teach him how to read an NFL playbook. You don't have to teach him how to, to do play action or you know the pro-style RPO. Um, if he can start for two years and suddenly he fills that formula that, as you know, as I love for quarterbacks, that's three plus years as a starter at a major program um, when you're not running a, a pure gimmick offense. And Delora's going to be that guy. And, and that might be a way you can recruit guys you shouldn't be able to recruit at Arizona uh, to play quarterback. And again, it might be the transfer market. Um, it might be like, oh, I've got one year left and I've been playing it, you know, Eastern Washington, and we throw it 87 times a game out of the gun. Well, maybe I should go to Arizona, finish out, learn how to play pro, and then, you know, sneak into the third round as a draft pick. So I think, again, he's done those things in addition to getting back into Hamilton and Chandler High and Scottsdale Saguaro and and those. So I think he's, yeah, he's done a very good job. Now he has to finish the job. But he has done everything I think he needed to do 
to put himself in a position to be that unique unicorn at Arizona who can actually win football games. All right, Kip Bennett uh, keeps asking about this. I guess I'll address this. Um, I mentioned not- I mentioned Caleb. I didn't say it by now. I said the two Texas receivers. Yeah, no, they're they were talented. I'm just telling you that. Uh, here's what I'm saying. Jacob Cowing is an NFL wide receiver. He's going to be in the NFL at some point. Caleb Jones is a solid wide receiver at the U of A. He's a lot like Dan Buckner. He's not a next level dude. Jacob Cowing's a next level guy. There's again, that's not a you know a diss towards Caleb Jones or anything like that. This is the way it is. Sadly, like, Caleb's brother was better, Zay. Uh, Zay, yeah, Zay is because Zay's in the league right now. Yep. Um, real quick, and then because I want to get into the Pac-12 before we sign off here, but. I got to tell you again about Tap and Bottle. These people are absolutely fantastic. Scott and Rebecca, I've known them for about 10 years. Shu knows them. Brad knows them. These are, uh, they run Tap and Bottle. That's the place to be downtown. Shu weenied out and didn't come join me. I don't blame him. If I were him, I wouldn't have joined me either. But that means that you guys should have as well. So, but again, great beers on tap. Great place to watch. All kinds of stuff. Four Peaks Brewery. Um, got all kinds of good stuff there. Come check us out ne- uh, next away game. All the away games, we're going to be at Tap and Bottle. And and we're going to be uh, doing this into football or, excuse me, basketball season as well. So look at it that way. All right. Check it out, though. Tap and Bottle and fourpeaksbrewery.com. Fantastic stuff. A um, couple things. Uh, Stevie Rocker has been brought up. In my opinion, and William can speak on this, um, Stevie Rocker isn't as good as these other running backs. I have no problem. I like Stevie Rocker. Um, but he's not going to ever get over third on the depth chart barring injury on these guys. William, would you agree with that? Yeah, unfortunately. Right now, if I'm Stevie Rocker, I'm probably looking at red shirting. Right. Uh, and then trying to see where we're at. You know, DJ Williams has one year left, so he's gone. Uh, right. You know, and then I'm trying to evaluate, you know, how I don't know how much. I think Wiley has two years left. Mm-hmm. So I'm not writing Rocker off, but. You know, he's but he's not. Out. But the problem is, he's not beating out Jonah Coleman ever. He's not beating out DJ Williams. Those are guys who are going to be in front of him his entire career. Yeah, Would so Rocker again, have started last year? No, not um, last year either. Nah, he did again. He's a Ooh, solid Rocker, guy. Rocker yeah. played last year a little bit. Yeah, but, but he, again, he couldn't start. So yeah, I think I think, I think the point I was getting to that failed uh, miserably yeah. right there. Yeah, is that Arizona has more depth and a little bit more talent this year than it ultimately did last year, and that's a good thing. Kip. Rocker has to decide, does he want to be a guy who probably never gets more than five carries a game and, and play for your hometown team? Or does he want to move on? And I'm, as much as that's brutal, and I love having the local kids. I was I was texting with someone who was upset we had a Hawaiian quarterback. I'm like, well, there ain't no Tucson quarterback. Right. Um, you know, the, the, the best Tucson quarterback in the last 15 years was Rodriguez. Uh, Kip, and I'm, one, more, one more point, my man. I – I've been telling everybody on the DraftKings Sportsbook app, code word PHNX, to take the over on Arizona and to take them to win money line. So again, I'm in on Arizona. So I don't know where I don't know where this is all going. But again, I'm back in the A all the way here. Now let's talk about in conference now. Let's talk about the Pac-12 South before we sign off. Um, Utah to me right is now. Is there a South it, anymore, by the way? What's that? Did they get rid of the the the, the Yeah? I, mean, I can't remember if that was this year or next year. Yeah, I'm honestly I should know that and I don't know that and I do apologize for you if that's this year or if that's I next just year. heard about it the other day and I was blindsided. Yeah. We're all old around here. So, but let's just look at the south. Let's pretend it's the way that it's been. I look at it and I watched ASU. 
And again, Jacob Franklin is listening. We have a lot of people at PHNX who are, believe it or not, even though they went to ASU, they're good people. I know, I know. You might be saying to yourself, I don't really buy that. But they <laughs> are. Jacob Franklin is a good person. He just is. Um, I vouch for Jacob. I vouch for Shane Deef, all those people. But Arizona, to me, I think can beat ASU, and I, I expect them to beat ASU, to be honest with you. Um, Arizona should smash Colorado. I watched Colorado last night, and I thought that I was looking at, like, Pima Community College. Um, then after that, it's UCLA, uh, USC, and Utah. Again, those are all teams that are good. But, uh, again, outside of Utah and USC, I think that Arizona can beat UCLA. I think Arizona is going to make some moves in the conference this year, fellas. Yeah, UCLA was scuffling early with Bowling Green, then found their groove, as you should, against Bowling Green. Uh, USC had to put 24 on the board in the second quarter to pull away from Rice. Rice. Uh, again, who cares what you do in the first quarter? And Utah just took the lead in the swamp. I think Utah's, <laughs> you know, I don't know how good USC is going to be, but they have more talent than Arizona. Uh, you know, I, the, to me, I want to see UCLA get it done. Um, I did just look. It does not look like there are um, divisions based upon, although the schedule still built that way. Um, and then, yeah, you've got uh, a Utah team that's really good. But ASU is good if everything works out right for them. But I'm just – they just feel like a team that they're going to have one – and it could happen next week against Oklahoma State and everything – the wheels are just going to come off. I feel like they're a team that is just teetering. They're, they lack – They're fragile. Right. Uh, and then you look at the you – know, you look at the top half of the league. Cal's not very good. Um, they're going to – you know – Stanford, I have no idea what Stanford is. I have no idea what Washington State is. I have no idea what Oregon State and Washington – really, I mean, even now Oregon. So suddenly it's going to be really hard for, obviously, Arizona to be in one of those top two spots to get in, obviously. And Arizona is, again, we don't know what Arizona is. But suddenly you wonder, you know, can they they pick off a UCLA team? That's what I'm saying. Over the years, how many times has the inferior Arizona team gone in, beat UCLA, and then the the on par team is the one that goes to, you know, goes to the Rose Bowl and gets blown out. Right. Um. You know the Mercedes Lewis game, that Rich Rod game. Yeah. Uh, where you know, so uh, same thing. You know, again, Washington State. What are they going to be at the end of the year? I don't know. I mean, I and I have no idea with Washington State. Um. Obviously, they thought so little of Delara that they brought in the kid from what was it, Incarnate Word or Liberty? Yes. Or, Cameron Ward. Yeah, you know who's really good, but would you, he's in an Incarnate Word? Would you have risked your Pac-10 <laughs> Freshman of the Year quarterback for the Incarnate <laughs> Ward quarterback? If you want to go back, Arizona had a chance to bring in a high-profile transfer quarterback, but decided to stick with Willie Tuitama, um, because that's what you do. And I found that whole thing interesting, but I'm glad Arizona has Delara. So, yeah, I think the league, if there is an elite team, it's Utah. Um, I don't think USC is quite there yet. Again, they could end up winning 10 because I think they're better than most teams in this league. But this really looks like a league that is going to be kind of crazy this year. Right. And, um, you know, Arizona, unfortunately, has that five-game slog in the middle where they're in some order at Washington, at UCLA, home for Oregon and USC and at Utah or something like that. It's just kind of a ridiculous 
the way the two teams that seem like they might not be quite as good are the ones you get on the road. But you bookend that with that week beginning and what could potentially be a weekend. And that's where you're maybe trying to carve out enough wins to get yourself into a bowl game. Arizona is one of those teams right now that makes the conference deeper. I don't know if it makes it better at the top. That's a long way to go uh, right now. I'm not sure how good this conference is at the top. The fact that as we are speaking now, Utah is winning at Florida. Uh, that's a that's good representation. Uh, and I think USC is going to be probably a more talented version of what Arizona is trying to do, uh, win with a bunch of transfers fast. Uh, so we'll see how effective they ultimately are. You know, we're talking very good about Arizona trying to put all of this together right now. Perhaps the transfer thing is something that uh, you get some inconsistency along the way, and there will be some conference games where, you know, Arizona maybe it doesn't fit. And, they, and it just doesn't kind of click. That's one of the interesting things I think about this league as a whole is that you have, um, you'll have a team, and who knows what that team is, that gets into late October and November and gets a little bit of discussion and they've won a couple more games than they should. And then, you know, there's a lot of talk around them maybe getting hot and maybe making something happen. And then they revert, revert's the wrong word, but they ultimately become what they are. You know, instead right. of... Uh, you know, you think, man, if you could string some things together, you could be an 11-win football team, but really you're eight or nine. And eventually that, that's going to catch up to you, and you happen to have some benefit early on. And then and then you wondered, why did they lose at Oregon State when they knocked off UCLA and uh, Washington earlier this year? It's the nature of the conference. The conference isn't very top-heavy, but week to week it's got some good teams that are very competitive. And I think at the very least, when you look at that five-game gauntlet that Arizona has in the middle of the season, for those other teams on the schedule, they could have per, last year looked at Arizona as almost a week off. Right. That was the that it's, that a, get, was, it's a get healthy week. That was the buy that counted. Uh, now they can't because Arizona appears to have enough talent uh, to be able to compete favorably or at, uh, you know on a fairly consistent week to week basis. Again, that doesn't mean that they're going to be consistent and there are going to be frustrations along the way. But if this team, the fact that they appear to have the prospect of being competitive pretty much every week out is a heck of a, is definitely moving in the right direction. Guys, first of all, everybody out there, first of all, back the freaking A. This was the kind of game that I think Arizona fans needed. This is the, fan, the type of game that we all wanted. I can't thank you all enough for hopping on right here. All of the comments, over a couple of hundred comments, everybody out there, you are greatly, and I mean this sincerely, because without you, this doesn't happen. And I, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Everybody out there, you are greatly appreciated. Um, Brad, Shu, Shu's going to be with me every game, but I will say this, Brad, you are welcome every game. Again, you're somebody that I grew up listening to, um, grew up uh, reading, um, again, I can't thank you guys enough. Uh, it's about building community right here. Thanks again, guys. Uh, all the listeners, Brad Shue, appreciate you guys like you can't believe. Have, uh, yeah, fun. And uh, I'll hop on when I can. Little League Baseball is going to make uh, me watching a lot of games, probably on uh, DVR. But, I'll, yeah, I'll come on whenever I can. And we have every Tuesday. Right. All right. Again, everybody out there. Thanks again. Back the A-Ray. We'll see you next time. You have been listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast. 
Brought to you again by DraftKings. Again, Jacob Franklin out there making me sound way better than I should, making me look taller than I actually am. Appreciate all of you guys. Again, we will be back with you post-game next Saturday. I'll be with you all throughout the week. Mr. William Brad Alice will be with us on Tuesdays. Everybody out there, back the A. You have been listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast.